The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, kicking off week number two of the return of the Jeff Dean Show to the airwaves here in Tucson. Super, super happy to be with you. And, uh, you know, an interesting weekend in sports that started Friday shortly after we ended the show and ran all the way through until, well, this morning where things are happening already. And we have a massive show for you today. Tons and tons of stuff to talk about. Things from the world of college football, from the world of Olympics and Olympic basketball, um, or just other Olympic sports altogether. We're going to be talking heavily about the NFL today as NFL training camps are set to open tomorrow. Uh, specifically, what is going to be happening in Green Bay with their quarterback and their wide receiver. We also have other news in the NFL. Of course, trades being requested from players as we approach training camp. Pac-12 Media Day flipping over to college football. Uh, Pac-12 Media Day is tomorrow. And we've also got some Major League Baseball hot stove action for you as well. But we begin with some developments from over the weekend. Now, we signed off Friday at 9 a.m. the situation with Texas and Oklahoma vacating the Big 12 to join the SEC was a, a, a discussion that was being had across the country. And I think the, the, you know, the big discussion was is when, how soon, as far as it was on this show at least, it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. And I, I had said all along that I believed that this was going to happen in a matter of weeks, not months or years. This was going to happen in a matter of weeks. And things progressed quickly. Now, Texas and OU did meet um, over the weekend as what Big 12 officials classified as cordial. And in that meeting, the... Big 12 Executive Committee, which consisted of Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, and I believe the presidents of Baylor and I'm not sure, Oklahoma State maybe. Um, anyway, three of these members, three executive members met with the Texas and OU representatives. And what was laid out for Texas and OU was that there would be an alter in the revenue shares. Basically, the executive committee suggested of reducing the shares of the other eight members accordingly to then give Texas and OU a larger piece of the pie because, quote, they probably make up 50% of our TV value, which is true. It's, I mean, it may be more than 50% based on those two schools and when you look at what the other eight have been doing. Now, Obviously, Iowa State on the rise. They're a great uh, little upstart with under Matt Campbell there. He's put together a nice program in the, the time that he's been there. But let's call it like it is. He's in Ames, Iowa. Okay? Look, my cousin played start, was starting left tackle for Iowa State for three seasons. Okay? I'm very familiar with what happens in Ames, Iowa. And I, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. I would listen to their radio broadcast. Okay? Because I wanted to tune in and I would so I would use the satellite radio to listen to Iowa State football when my cousin was playing tackle there. And the commercial breaks consisted of the local mom and pop farming equipment shop 
that was, you know, selling graders that day for, you know, 20% off. Um, and, you know, come down and get a free bag of feed and a free chicken, you know. I mean, I'm not kidding, folks. Those are the commercials that are running during Iowa State football. Now, granted, they have been put on the map, and I believe they are one of the top 20 teams in the country right now. They've certainly got an immense amount of talent based on the quarterback running back situation. They've got a really talented uh, set of uh, uh, defensive line slash linebackers on that team as well. They're going to be an interesting team to watch this year, but there's no doubt that their contribution media-wise, revenue-wise, is very, very small in the grand scheme of things, specifically when in comparison with Texas and OU. So to say that Texas and OU probably make up 50% of the TV value, I would venture to say that it's easily 50% of the, t- of the TV value. Now, this is clearly a last-gasp effort by the Big 12. This is the, the final gulp of air before they submit to flowing under the you know under the water under the tide of the water and succumbing to whatever is going to become of them because you wouldn't just say to your to your you know your member schools hey um we need to keep these other two schools around so what we're going to do is we're going to cut your funding and give it to them i mean that's <laughs> that's just straight up robbery right i mean this is you know, the, the, the Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and Iowa State, as I previously mentioned, Kansas State, Kansas, uh, Baylor, TCU, they all rely, West Virginia, they all rely on that income. I mean, this is this is guaranteed income that you run your budgets off of, your athletic department budget. And it, it this is everything. This is football. This is for, for those schools that really don't have much else to fall back on other than Kansas producing money with their basketball program, much like Arizona does here, the the rest of those schools have no way to generate a whole lot of money. Even though Baylor is the national champion, I get it. They're not, they're not generating tons of dollars from the basketball program. It just hasn't been around long enough. It hasn't been a thing. So to cut their football funding would be hugely detrimental to the athletic department's budget. And I'm sure that it's not necessarily something that uh, those athletic directors and those departments are willing to swallow. I mean, that's that's a tough pill. Now, if you look at the big picture, obviously they would be smart to want to continue to have Texas and OU in the conference because, again, if you don't have those two, then you don't have a conference and there is no television, so your, your number goes to zero, essentially. So... It's, it's a last-gasp effort by the Big 12 and its member, member schools to try to keep these two where they, you know, where they started, essentially, right there in the Big 12. Now, those, <clears throat> the committee, the executive committee also told, apparently, according to some sources, they told the representatives from Texas and the representatives from OU, look, if you're, if you're here to negotiate genuinely, then let's have a conversation but if you're just going to hear, be here to play us and you've already decided to leave, you just want to see, you know, how much, how much leg we'll show you to try to attract you back, um, then you can get lost. Like, go fly a kite. Good luck with you. You know, we'll, we'll figure something else out. So while it was a last gasp desperation by the Big 12 to offer uh, these, this new chunk of the, the revenue sharing, they also basically said, look, we're not here to be your, you know, your 
dancing partner to make your girlfriend jealous. <laughs> if if you're serious, if you're serious about negotiating, you're serious about staying here, then let's talk. But if you've already made up your mind, then just hang up the phone and go away. So we'll find out more today as I believe in just a couple of hours uh, another type of announcement is going to be made. And I do believe that the announcement is that Texas and OU have decided to essentially terminate the contract or they have that they have no, uh, I, I guess, no intention of re-signing the, uh, the media rights contract that ends in 2025 with the Big 12. In which case it would say, we're done, we're out. And at that point becomes a conversation of, okay, when do you start playing your SEC schedule? And, and I, it, again, in my opinion, I think there's no other no other course but to play right away. Like, why would you even mess around with the Big 12? Why would you even continue to play a Big 12 schedule for the next four seasons? That's just stupid. The SEC, and, and I, I, you know, a lot of people have asked. I've, I've talked to people and uh, messaged with people and things like that, and I've talked to, to friends over the weekend, and this has been the topic, the topic of discussion. We, we, we love to talk college football. That's what we do. And the question was, you know, well, how does the SEC so, er, you know, so soon leading up to the schedule, how do they, how do they assimilate Texas and OU into their schedule and change everything around? It's look, it's just semantics, really. It's it's just uh, a matter of of moving some some pieces around. You, you know, you got one of those magnet charts, right? You see them in all the the movies. Maybe you had them in your locker room. Maybe your coach had one of those really cool magnet boards with your, your name and number on it and what position you played, and they'd move them around. Well, in the SEC, they would just be adding two more magnets to their board. They'd move them into those four divisions like we talked about. It would be like NFL light, right, like we discussed last week. And it would be really easy to go ahead and form those little divisions and figure out how to, uh, how to add the extra, the extra conference game because – they would they would then go to a nine conference game schedule. Now, for teams like Alabama, let's call it like it is. Basically, every SEC team is going to have some kind of a cupcake on their schedule, right? That's what they do in the SEC. They play eight conference games. They play two cupcakes. They end up, you know, with one A tier non con game and one B or C tier non con game and then two cupcakes. That's what they do. That's how they pad their schedules. They've done it for so long. Um, it's going to be a shock to the system for them when they go to that nine conference game system like everybody else has been doing. And uh, it may upset the apple cart a little bit there. But for, let's, let's just say Alabama, okay? I, I don't have their schedule in front of me, although I could. I have my, my trusty Phil Steele's guide here in front of me. The 2001 Phil Steele's guide. Let's just go ahead and turn to Alabama here. Get it quickly. And I got the, the Phil Steele guide over the weekend, and I've been diving into it already. So Alabama opens their season against Miami. Okay, you want to keep that one. Okay. Then they play Mercer. So I'm just, I'm just going to guess here. Okay. So they're probably paying Mercer upwards of anywhere between 800 and 1.1 million right 800,000 1.1 million dollars to come and get a 90 to nothing ass whipping in Tuscaloosa so what you do is you take that checkbook you write out that check for eight let's call it 800,000 800,000 to Mercer University and you say we're going to have to back out of our commitment due to unforeseen circumstances here's your check 
buy your guys some new uniforms, get yourself some helmets that properly fit, get rid of those leather things you've been wearing, get some proper shoes that can actually dig into the turf as opposed to the sneakers they're wearing out there, and have yourselves a nice season. You don't have to worry about coming get and getting your blocks knocked off when you come down here to Alabama. It's real simple. And, and every team that needs to be uh, that needs to assimilate their schedules can do so, okay? Uh, what about, like, Texas A&M, okay? They open up against Kent State. Okay, probably a game you don't, wanna, you don't want to, uh, to miss. You don't want to try to reschedule your opener. But in November 20th, just like all the SEC schools do right before their, right their season-ending game against their rival or a big game as they get ready to, uh, you know, they, they need to get some late-season wins, make sure that they, if they're on a losing streak, they don't have a losing streak going into the end of the season. Texas A&M, in November, on November 20th, they play Prairie View, all right? So, again, A&M got enough money. They probably make enough money on the gates at Kyle Field for one big game to send Prairie View their $800,000 check to go away. LSU plays McNeese State, okay? Write them a check. Ole Miss plays, well, Liberty's pretty good. They play Austin P. You can send them a check. Auburn? Uh, let's see here. Auburn. Auburn's got a pretty good schedule, actually. They play Akron, who's absolutely terrible, but it's the opening game of the season. Those are difficult to reschedule. Georgia State, that's a pretty good team, all things considered. So not a terrible schedule, but you, look, you still have to figure something out. You've got to get rid of somebody. Mississippi State, Arkansas. They, can all, they all got teams they can get rid of. Rice? They're playing Rice, for God's sakes. Georgia? They're playing UAB, who didn't even have a football program four years ago. <laughs> okay, these are these are all reschedulable games. Send them, write them a check, and put Texas on your schedule. Conference game, book it. It's done. It's re, it, it, it's real easy to to get this thing done this season. Just costs a little money. And the SEC, once they add Texas and OU, and create the excitement that's going to be around adding those two schools to the conference schedule in 2021, money is no longer an object. That is, it's no longer an issue. It's real easy. You, your, your projected revenue streams, again, Oklahoma and, and OU will have to continue to share their, their television revenue with, uh, with the Big 12 through 2025 per terms of their contract, unless they Unless the SEC just says, here's a billion dollars, writes a check for a billion bucks to the Big 12 and says, go away. We're going to tear that contract up. Here's your billion dollars. Uh, good luck. You know, I mean, who knows? There, there are people with deep pockets and lofty expectations and goals that will continue to do things that are out of my purview, that I, that I couldn't even possibly imagine or grasp. But these are the... These are the type of things you hear about. You know, instead of this headline being like, oh, my God, it, it, you know, it, it, it will grab your attention, of course. But let's say the headline on Thursday, at, you know, Texas and OU decide today we're, we're not going to continue our contract with the Big 12. We're done in 2025. Then Thursday, the headline says SEC gives essentially right, buys out contracts of Texas and OU by sending $1 billion to the Big 12, okay? It shouldn't be a, oh, my God, surprise. I mean, really, these are the, the types of things that happen. 
when you're talking about the amount of dollars that could immediately impact that conference, the SEC would be doing themselves a favor by buying out the contracts of the Big Tw- of the of the of OU in Texas. And the Big 12, I'm sure, would like that money right away. Yeah, we'll take a billion bucks. we got to try to keep this thing going. we got the Big 8 now. Make sure West Virginia doesn't leave. Figure out what, what's going to take to keep West Virginia happy. Hey, tell you what, West Virginia, we will supply your fans with all the couches that they would ever want and need to burn for the next 15 years. We're just going to buy a ton of We're going to go to the, the liquidation store. You know, all the, all the liquidation stores in Texas, we're going to buy up all these couches. We're going to give them to your fans because that's what they like to do in Morgantown, to burn the couches. So we're going to give your fans a lifetime supply of couches to burn. How's that? That's some incentive for you guys? I don't know what it takes to incentivize West Virginia. <laughs> it's, it's, I've heard it's a beautiful state, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that's kind of what they like there. That and uh, moonshine and coal mining. Like, those are their things. So figure out what you can do with, uh, with the state of West Virginia to keep them happy because if you lose them, now it's the big seven, and I don't think anybody would – I mean, I don't think anybody's going to care anyways, but nonetheless, you got to keep West Virginia there, keep an even number. With school just around the corner, we want to help you and the student in your life get the supplies they need to succeed at 1490 – AM and 104.9 FM ESPN Tucson, we're giving you the chance to win a $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree. You can register online at ESPNTucson.com, and you can register once per day through August 9th. When we return, news, more news out of the uh, world of college football, this one hitting a little more closer to home, as the expanding NCAA investigation into ASU's football program claims its first casualty. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to The Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. Now back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to The Jeff Dean Show here on a Monday on ESPN Tucson. So the NCAA investigation into Arizona State's football program is ever-expanding, and we found out some information over the weekend that things are continuing to move along. Now, uh, Yahoo Sports is reporting that Mark Strothkamp, who is a veteran NCAA enforcement agent, is on the case. Uh, Somebody who, I guess, has been around for quite some time and is familiar with how this uh, whole process works. And the investigation has claimed its first casualty as Arizona State tight ends coach Adam Brenneman was placed on administrative leave. Now, the administrative leave is retroactive to July 16th, um, and he's one of 10 ASU coaches and staff members mentioned by an anonymous author of a dossier that uh, was received by many sports outlets on June 23rd. Now, on June 23rd, when this whole information dropped, there was, as I mentioned, it was an anonymous dossier. Um, and it basically was, in the, in the terms of what I think many people believe to be a former staff member who was fired because he did not, or they did not, want to toe the company line of breaking the rules, as it was explicitly laid out by Antonio Pierce, the associate head coach. The letter said, I am writing this letter to inform you about recruiting violations that are occurring 
at Arizona State University in their football department. My objective is providing enough information to assure you, if Arizona State football is looked into, that there will be violations found. So a, a program that is essentially eating itself from the inside out. Now, the dossier accuses Arizona State tight ends coach essentially of, uh, you know, the, the most specific, I think, are, are, is, are the, the allegations against Brenneman. So there are screenshots of emails of receipts of Brenneman paying for recruits to visit the campus at Arizona State during the COVID-19 dead recruiting period. So not only was this a an NCAA violation, this is a public health violation, okay? These were this was not one of those situations where competitive fairness uh, the NCAA has dead periods and things like that throughout the recruiting process. This was not that. This was a COVID-19 mandated separation rule that the NCAA said that recruits cannot visit campus because it's a public a public health and safety violation which ASU basically said, nah, we don't want to listen to that. And the reports are, uh, some of the reports, if you believe them, have Arizona State, uh, I guess, you know, ha- receiving visits from upwards of 19 different potential players. Now, this particular player that was flown out to, to Tempe from the, uh, from the city of Philadelphia ended up signing somewhere else which is good news for the NCAA because they can use this particular recruit as leverage because he's not with the team currently, so he's not going to be betraying any of the coaches that he committed to. Okay, There's another one also, uh, another recruit that signed elsewhere that was also allegedly flown out uh, during, this, during this dead period. So they have leverage with these, uh, with these students. Also, um, some of these some of these students are not essentially they haven't become eligible NCAA eligible yet so the NCAA can also leverage that aspect as well where they can they can ensure that these students will have full eligibility once they get to their respective program and sign and get ready to start to play uh, as opposed to losing eligibility and things like that because of violations and whatnot and having to transfer and you know all these other things so the NCAA has some things in their pocket that they can use. The problem here, according to some of the experts, is that because the staffers at Arizona State used personal devices, phones and, and laptops and such, that aren't tied to the workplace, they're not, they're not Arizona State property, that they're going to have a difficult time essentially getting those subpoenaed to be looked upon and investigated upon. We all remember, or maybe we don't remember, but the Will Wade situation, the head coach, head basketball coach at LSU, when he was brought under fire for NCAA investigation uh, and his recruiting tactics, his personal phone was the target of the investigation. It took him over a year to relinquish that phone to the NCAA. So this is something that that could throw a wrench in the particular uh, investigation that's going on right now. And, of course, we all know that Arizona State has a rich history in cheating as laid out by the NCAA uh, with proven facts and numbers that they lead the country. Arizona State leads the country as far as Power 5 schools in major NCAA violations. Over the years, whether it be football, 
basketball, baseball. This is essentially, according to the NCAA, the cheatingest school in the country. So uh, the NCAA is looking to pin these guys to a wall. I guarantee it. They're going to try to. They're going to do whatever they can to try to make sure that this does not go unpunished. So good luck. I don't know how difficult it's going to be to uh, acquire those personal records, those private records, um, but you know it can be done. It just takes some time, and we may not see the results immediately or early as some fans would like to see. However, uh, I do believe that, that things will happen. Now, there was threat early on that this could jeopardize Arizona State's season, and it still possibly could depending on the the i guess the sworn accounts of people involved let's say let's say these two particular recruits that were uh given money essentially that were that visited the campus during the dead period let's say they open up and say yeah here's the, here's everything that happened i have documentation of it da, 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 da. now all of a sudden the NCAA has confirmation from three different sources that these these practices were happening um, during the dead period and may be able to move forward with, with punishment immediately. This will not be the first of the staff changes at Arizona State. If things get any kind of hairier, I believe that uh, athletic director Ray Anderson and, of course, director of football uh, Herm Edwards will likely move on from Antonio Pierce as well because he may be the ultimate fall guy in this, even if Herm Edwards was familiar with what was going on, did approve it, whatever. I believe the fall guy is going to be Antonio Pierce because he's the one that was essentially driving the truck. Okay, He was the guy that these former staffers were most upset with because of the clashes, the personal clashes with them. And there were – I think that's where this animosity is coming from. That's why these anonymous letters – were sent out to the media because these people who were trying to follow the rules were told that you're either with us or you're against us by Antonio Pierce. So we're going to break the rules. You're either going to be with us or against us. And they said, well, I guess I'm out then. And now (laughs) the, the, the pictures and the proof are starting to come through. So we'll keep a close eye on that. And we'll, of course, keep you up to date on everything that's happening there, not only with uh, Arizona State and its uh, NCAA investigation, but any kind of investigations that come out, whether it be uh, Pac-12 or countrywide. Join ESPN Tucson 104.9 FM, 1490 AM as Spears and Ali going to have another live broadcast. This time it's one, I mean, like, I, like, honestly, sick invite, bro. Really? This Thursday, July 29th from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., they're going to be celebrating National Chicken Wing Day at Fire Truck Brewing Company. So, like, some of my favorite things, chicken wings, one of my favorite things to eat. Love them, eat them, you know, just, it, look, it's, it's chicken wings, right? Beer, which I love, and fireman-owned. Of course, I come from a family of firefighters, father, brother. Uh, you know, these are like three things that, like, speak to me. And no invite to this, but you are invited, as Spears and Ali are going to be broadcasting live, to celebrate this at the Fire Truck Brewing Company. Fire Truck Brewing is a fireman-owned uh, establishment, and there are lots of firehouse-approved rep- recipes on the menu. You can enjoy an ice-cold draft beer to go along with some of those hot wings. And to get more information, 
You can go to ESPNTucson.com. Again, that's this Thursday from 3 to 6. Sick invite, bro. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Save me some leftovers, maybe. When we return, some good news from Tokyo and some bad news from Tokyo. You're listening to The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. This just in, University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas at Austin have notified the Big 12 Athletic Conference today, as of about four minutes ago, that they will not be renewing their grants of rights, uh, media rights, following the expiration uh, of the contract in 2025. Providing notice to the Big 12 at this point is important in advance of the expiration of the conference's current media rights agreement. Now, the universities intend to honor their existing grant of rights agreements. However, (laughs) there's always a however. There's always a but, right? Always a however. Both universities will continue to monitor the rapidly evolving collegiate athletics landscape as they consider how to best position their athletics programs for the future. So Oklahoma and Texas are out of the Big 12. Uh, Again, don't know when they will stop or cease playing their Big 12 conference schedule and move to the SEC schedule. However, I do believe that once the negotiations begin with the SEC, that they will be swift. And I do believe this will be my bold prediction for the college football season, or I guess there will be one of them. I'm going to make a lot of bold predictions. There are going to be some more today uh, in hour number two in when we discuss some NFL. But I think my early bold prediction and I, look, I made it on Thursday last week. I think OU and Texas will play an SEC schedule this season. I mean, the 2021 season will include OU and Texas as part of the SEC conference. Just that's that's my bold prediction. Another bold prediction that <laughs> is not going to make me very happy. However, um, it may be the wake-up call that is needed for U.S. men's basketball. Is that the U.S. men's team? will not even make the medal round in the Olympics this year, which would be uh, a horrific turn of events for a once very, very proud program. The United States men's basketball team blew a seven-point fourth-quarter lead yesterday to France, who ended the game on a 16-2 run and defeated the Americans by a score of 82-76. Now, that may not be the worst part of the whole situation, Because in this game, the U.S. team blew leads of 10 points, 9 points twice, and an 8-point lead during other points in the game. The U.S. team shot an abysmal 36% from the field. Kevin Durant, who was in foul trouble in the first half, three three fouls in the first half, fouled out in the third quarter, and the U.S. team was out-rebounded by a count of 42-36. to You miss that many shots, you're going to get out-rebounded. It's just going to happen. Now, the U.S. team, it's not like France was playing this amazing defense. They obviously have Rudy Gobert, who's a fantastic rim protector. But I was watching some of that game, and there was wide open jump shots. Wide open. Dame Lillard, wide open. Kevin Durant, wide open. Miss, miss, miss. Drew Holiday actually had a really nice game. Uh, Had 18 points in the game, uh, even though he had just gotten off an airplane from a grueling NBA Finals. Chris Middleton and Devin Booker had very, very little impact in the game. So what does this say about U.S. men's basketball? Okay, well, let's look at it this way. 
10 of the players on this team, 10, as, as the current makeup of this, of this team, are playing in their first ever Olympics. Okay, so that there's some credence to you know to that. I, I don't I don't know what playing Olympic style basketball has uh, really as far as the impact. I mean, it's not like going from college to pro. Like oh, they're playing in their first college, you know, first pro game or whatever. This is you know this is just international basketball. I know the rules are a little bit different, but gosh, it's just hooping, right? You can still shoot a basketball. The, the rim is still 10 feet high, right? It's the whole scene from Hoosiers. Yep, still 10 feet. <laughs> you know? So it, nothing like that kind of stuff hasn't changed. So I, look, the team is, and, you know, Pop, Greg Popovich coaching in his first Olympics, maybe that's changed some things. But the guy's been around long enough. He's not like a 31-year-old coach that just handed the reins because he knows how to draw up some plays. This is a coach who... Ran a very, very successful NBA team franchise for many years. Won multiple championships. The guy knows how to put a team together. Okay, And there's a great staff that he has with him that knows how to put players together, knows how to put guys in, in winning positions and situations. Now, the COVID, uh, COVID protocols have claimed a few of the players, but let's, I mean, let's face it, this team should be good enough to compete for gold. And they may not even make it out of the preliminary round. Now, they've got a game against Iran coming up tomorrow, I believe. The schedules are weird. I believe I believe they play Iran tomorrow. Now, <laughs> barring a ridiculous, just lay down, flat out, don't give a rip effort, they'll beat Iran by 30 points. But then they play Czech Republic after that, and Czech Republic's no slouch. They're not great by any stretch of the imagination, but they're no slouch. Uh, remember, this is a U.S. team that lost to Nigeria recently, okay? Uh, and France, you know, Evan Fournier is nice. Rudy Gobert is, you know, a really good player, obviously. But this is not a world-beating team. France is not going to be uh, a gold medal contender, at least in my opinion, unless something crazy happens. So the U.S. men's basketball team continues to do things that have – you know, never happened to U.S. men's basketball. This is the first loss they've had in the Olympics since 2004 in Athens, right? They lost to Argentina. Argentina goes on to the gold medal round, beats Italy for the gold medal. The U.S. has to play uh, – did they play France? I think they played France in that bronze medal game, actually. And the U.S. won bronze. But, you know, that, this, is, this is the first time that the U.S. men's team has lost in 17 years in Olympic competition. They had winning streaks. They, I mean, this is, this is a team that doesn't lose, specifically in the preliminary rounds. You just, you just, you're just playing in your little pool. And they go out and blow multiple leads, including a seven-point lead late in the game, give up a 16-2 run to end the game to France, and now they're on the outside looking in. They're going to have to win out to get out of the prelims and then hope that they get favorable uh, matchups and get a you know an attitude adjustment essentially, and hope that they don't play Slovenia apparently because Luka Doncic busted out a forty-eight burger in his very first Olympic appearance yesterday as uh, Slovenia beat Argentina like a drum. That game was exciting. That game was well, final one eighteen to one hundred in that game in a in an Olympic game. This the U.S. and France game was eighty two seventy six. That game was super exciting. That game was up and down. 
Shots being taken within the first five, six seconds of the shot clock. That was fun to watch. Luka balling out, 48 points. I think he had 11 boards in that game as well. So Luka in his first uh, his first appearance. And the Argentinian coach said that before the game, he had a feeling, he, he felt that, that Luka Doncic was the best player in the world, including all of the NBA. And then after the game, he says, my feelings were confirmed. He, there's no doubt he's the best player in the world. I want to maybe maybe you should you know push the brakes on that one a little bit. He just got you know, like he just got to witness it for uh you know for forty minutes that Luka Doncic just ripped this guy's heart out and scored forty eight points in a forty minute basketball game, which is insane. Um, yeah, Luka had a great game. I'm not going to crown him the best player in the world right now. I think there's still plenty of other guys out there who would you know like to step up and and put their name in that hat including the most recent NBA Finals MVP and champion, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, LeBron James, and, of course, there are plenty of, you know, there are several others who are still in the, in the, in the you know, market for best player in the world, Kevin Durant, even though he is not showing that right now. Some good news from Tokyo, though. The U.S. softball team is 5-0. and They secured home field status with a win over Japan, who they will face tomorrow in the gold medal game. And right now the U.S. is second in the total medal count uh, behind, uh, behind China, and they're tied for first in the gold category. Now, one other issue I think that we're seeing is that maybe the, the, the pressure on Simone Biles may be a little bit too much for her, or I, I don't know if it's age because she's one of the elder uh, gymnastics, or gymnasts, I should say, uh, one of the elder gymnasts to perform at the Olympics. Um, but she had a horrific day yesterday. She stepped out of bounds in the floor exercise, I believe, twice. She, she went out of bounds on her vault. Uh, she, is, she is not on her game. And right now, the U.S. women's gymnastics team looks to be third at best. Um, so they're going to have to step their game up, and it's going to take the leadership of Simone Biles. And we, we all know that she's got it in her. She's one of the greatest gymnasts to ever walk this earth. Uh, so we know that she's got it in her. But... Um, the, the overall, I'm going to say the attitude, (laughs) she does not look like someone who is hungry to compete at a fierce and fiery level. She looks rather, I don't know, disinterested. And I think that's, that's a huge problem. And I think it's a problem facing a lot of Americans right now concerning the Olympics, not necessarily athletes, but yes, some of them. But there's been a lot of vitriol on social media about the Olympics right now. And basically, American citizens saying that they're rooting against the United States in these Olympics because they're unhappy with their country. I, what, you know, whatever the reason being, that they're rooting against, they're rooting for other countries to beat the U.S. And that just, that kind of makes me sad. It makes me sick a little bit, to be honest with you. I don't know what what the issue is, but that's kind of what's happening right now. Uh, people unhappy with policies or whatever thinks the Olympics shouldn't be going on because of COVID. Who knows? But people are rooting against the U.S., which, not that it matters. Uh, I mean, it doesn't change the outcome of games, obviously, as they're several thousand miles away. But still, uh, I think here at home, the sentiment is that uh, you want your fans to be supportive of your athletes that are representing your country at the Olympics. And right now, our athletes are not getting the support that they deserve. 
may be something to look for down the road. So speaking of things to come uh, down the road, we do have some Sugar Skulls tickets, Tucson Sugar Skulls, coming off a big victory over the weekend. And uh, we've got some tickets that we're going to be giving away at some point during the show, so stay tuned for that. When we return, we will start to transition into the NFL as the Aaron Rodgers saga, and now he's dragged Devontae Adams into his drama. Will that resolve today? Tomorrow? I don't know. But we're going to find out. We're going to talk about that next right here. You're listening to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Hey, let's do it. Let's give away those sugar skulls thing. I talked about it just before the break. Let's give them away right now. 520-719-1490. You can win a pair of tickets to go see the sugar skulls take on the Northern Arizona Wranglers this Saturday, July 31st at the Tucson Arena. Game is uh, kicking off at 6 p.m. Let's take caller number two. Caller number two at 520-719-1490. You're going to earn yourself a pair of tickets to go see the Sugar Skulls take on the Wranglers this Saturday at the Tucson Arena. Good luck and um, enjoy the game. Speaking of football, I, I know that we, we talk about the Texas OU thing, and we, we, we probably won't discuss much of it more until more news comes out um, other than the fact that the, the, the joint um, statement was made by OU and Texas that they are not going to renew the, the rights agreement for the media, uh, the media rights through 2025. They're not going to renew that. So they are essentially going to exit the Big 12. And now the negotiations with the SEC begin, even though they already began back in December, January, when this all started. So I believe those those discussions will be brief. And as, as I mentioned before, I do believe that the uh, the Longhorns and the Sooners will be playing in the SEC this year. I just think there, there's no way the Big 12 can continue to hang on to these two, and those two don't want to be there anyways. So just let it happen, whatever it takes. Let's just do this damn thing and uh, get it over with so we can move on and watch some college football, which is what we're all genuinely really excited about is watching some college football. We're also genuinely interested in what's going to happen, and I think everyone, even myself, I'm sick and tired of hearing it, and I'm sick and tired of the drama that this guy brings with him everywhere he goes. And honestly, maybe that's the reason why. Maybe people ask about why Aaron Rodgers has only won one Super Bowl in his career up to this point. Maybe it's because he's not a grown-up. Maybe it's because he really is uh, an immature, petulant child. You know, when, when, you have a, when you draft a quarterback, you want an adult, right? You want somebody who's responsible, who's going to take care of the people around him, who's not going to cause drama outside of the lines. Not cause them inside the lines either. Either you want you want a grown up. You want somebody who's mature and responsible, who's a, an effective leader, because as a great offensive mind once said, the reason why I make my offense so difficult on my quarterbacks is so that he can make it easier on the other ten guys on the offense. You make it really tough for one guy so that it's easier for the other ten, and. That's why the quarterback position is the most important position in all of sports. It really is. It may be the reason why Aaron Rodgers hasn't claimed more than one trophy 
is because he's not a grown-up. He continues to do these passive-aggressive drama, social media, drag-out, unhappy with the, with, with the administration, unhappy with the front office, uh, throwing temper tantrums about draft picks that were made that weren't made to help him directly. Maybe it's just that he's a child and he's incapable of winning a championship because it takes maturity and it takes an adult to lead a football team to win a championship. And maybe for one season he was able to put all that aside and become an adult, and that's why they were able to claim a championship. Who knows? But this is, this is getting ridiculous. He and Devontae Adams both tweeted out uh, over the weekend, basically at the same time they tweeted out and Instagrammed a picture of MJ and Pippen. Just the picture, just drop that out there. I mean, what, what kind of passive-aggressive childish BS is this? And now we wait to see if he shows up to Packer camp. And the Packers are going to make a statement, actually. Packers are scheduled to make a statement here in the next few minutes. So we'll see what that leads to. Coming up in hour number two, we got a lot of NFL to talk about as training camps open tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss this. I have a slew of early predictions, some bold predictions, for the 2021 season. There's a lot of them. So stick with us through that. We still got another hour to go here on the Jeff Dean Show, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.